Today on the Zabecast, why the Masters Par 3 contest might be the purest, most perfect event in sports. Villanova's won the national championship, but you'll be shocked to hear how little juice it's given my boy Harry Mays from 97.5 The Fanatic in Philly. All that plus Masters picks and nine things that need shaking up at Augusta. You got an hour to kill, then buckle up and let's go! Wednesday, April 4th, 2018, and as you listen to this Zabecast, hopefully the Masters Par 3 contest is going on unaffected by weather. It is one of the great traditions and one of the great moments in sports. And I will get gushy and I will get sentimental right here on my own Zabecast because I love what the game of golf does as a game. It bridges generations, and you see this in effect at the par three every year. It allows old people to play with young. It allows serious people to play with silly people. It allows people who try hard to play with people who just enjoy the walk. And it lets living legends in the game, past champions, Nicholas, Player, uh, Palmer when he was still alive, on down the line, Trevino. Well, Trevino didn't play, not the Masters, but it's too bad. Still, the Masters legends get to tee it up at the par three. In fact, Augusta will allow non-Masters winners to play in the par three as sort of an exhibition. I believe that Norman has played in it before a couple of times, and some of the guys that didn't win the green jacket that they are brought along because it was good for the game. And it's just great that these living legends are still able to play a miniaturized version of the game, a miniaturized version of the game of golf on what is a jewel box of a course that is so perfect and so beautiful that it has to be seen to be believed. And to think that this par three contest was hidden from the public view for so many years, only available to the patrons who had bought a practice round ticket on the Wednesday before tournament play. To think that it was hidden from the public for so many years is a crime, frankly. But thankfully, Hootie Johnson was a forward thinker who brought ESPN into the fold. I think it was Hootie. It might have been Billy Payne, but I do think it was Hootie Johnson. And they made sure that the network ESPN did not bring that walking clown show, Berman, who you know wanted desperately to be a part of the coverage. They made sure, quietly and behind the scenes, you know they did, they said to ESPN, we're going to give you this package, and guess what? You're going to like it, and here's what it's going to cost, and you're going to cover this, and you're going to have access to this, and that, 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 but no Berman. And I bet someone at ESPN was like, ah, oh, Berman was toy told me. All my bosses up there said, uh, make sure to ask if Boomer can go down there and be part of the coverage. So I'll ask, um, okay, Augusta, yeah, um, is it okay? You know, uh, Chris Berman who does our, no. Are you sure because he, no. And Berman never set foot as a member of ESPN on the hallowed grounds to do anything, which was beautiful. But thankfully, uh, the net, the powers that be at Augusta decided, hey, this is a really smart thing for the tournament and for the game of golf, to be on 
the number one TV entity in sports, ESPN. They could have had this event on Wednesday on TNT, TBS, Golf Channel, any USA, like they used to have the early rounds Thursday and Friday. But they chose ESPN, and with good reason. Because if it was on the Golf Channel, the par three, who's going to watch it? Nobody. Just the golf nerds like me and maybe you. But when it's on ESPN, everybody gets exposed to it. If not everybody, a a much wider swath of your sports fan population gets to see it. And that's a great thing. And they always say how stuffy Augusta is and how proper and how they make the announcers say this and you can't do that and da-da-da-da-da. It's true. They're they're traditional. I wouldn't say they're stuffy. They're, They're traditional. They like things the way they like things. But when you see the par three contest, I think a lot of people are like, man, I thought these guys were real stick, you know, stick up their ass, you know, uh, very, oh boy, it's the Gusta. I can't believe they let little kids run amok during the par three, but they do. They do. They let little kids and little white jumpsuits run around like banshees and have a blast. And they let smoking hot wives and girlfriends carry the bags and be glorious springtime eye candy. And it's great to see the young punks, guys like Justin Thomas, get excited to be around old war horses like Nicholas and Player and to see it the other way around, to see the old guys energized by the young guys. It's just, God, it's magic. It really is. And it's just a silly exhibition for a silly game known as golf. But if you play, you get it. And maybe even if you don't play and you still watch on ESPN or see the highlights, you might say, you know what? That's kind of neat. Joining us now, Harry Mays, 97.5 The Fanatic, midday host in Philadelphia. I hate to say it, Harry, the city of champions. Although you are a Temple alum, so I'm sure this noble win burns. Burns like acid on you, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's like VD, uh, Zabe. It really is. I mean, it's it's like you know, it's like getting diagnosed with with gonorrhea. You know, two out of the last three three years. It really is. But I I really I I do respect everything that they do. In fact, I live basically about three and a half miles from their gym on campus, which they haven't played a game at this year. They've been at the Wells Fargo Center all year because they're redoing their gym. But uh, are they really celebrate- the palestra? Yeah, or no? Yeah. Yes. No. The, no. The, Temple's the palestra. Well, no. Temple's no, Saint the Saint Joe's Arena. All right, hold Saint on. Saint Joe's second. is the Hagen Arena. The palestra is where Penn is, and that's where the Big oh. Five used to congregate. Right. The Big Five tournament. And, and by the way, do they still play the Big Five? Well, they do. All the all the teams play one another, but they used to all play one another at the palestra every year. And, and now that, they that, play. At some Wells have Fargo. their own arenas, like you know, okay. Villanova was the first to go with the DuPont Pavilion, which we call affectionately the Ski Lodge, which is being redone. Then Temple got the Leacorris Center. And, you know, then, then LaSalle started playing some of their games at their, at their old, uh, the Gola Arena, which is essentially a high school gym. Uh, St. Joe redid the Hagen Arena, which is a nice, sort of like the old, or that, that Fordham Arena, which is kind of a mini Cameron indoor. Okay. And I'm, you know, I'm being... Uh, a little bit facetious there, but yeah, the Palestra was is at Penn, 
But I li- literally live about three and a half miles from from the Villanova campus, and okay. I could that three and a half miles couldn't be. It, it's essentially three thousand miles. Today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so this is what I want to try to sort out, and this is why I'm glad to have you on here because yeah. in D.C., it's been a long time since both Georgetown and Maryland, the two closest college basketball heavyweights, have been good yeah. at the same time, and. Each of those teams' fan bases, they're very tribal, so they kind of like to take shots at each other. But I don't Mm -hmm. think it's quite like it is in Philadelphia. I think it's a different sort of thing. So how does it work then when a Philly team like Villanova wins a title in convincing fashion, but you know as a Temple alum, and there are plenty others, and St. Joe's alums and everyone else, that not everyone's behind this championship. How does that work? No, they're not. And it's a shame. It really is because – Jay Wright and the Villanova program is everything that really is right about college basketball. Absolutely. And they really are. And I respect them immensely. I, I really do. And I, I like Jay Wright as a guy. And, uh, you know, he's a Philly guy. And, and, and the program is great. And they play beautiful basketball, as we've seen. Uh, but, the, but the city is divided. It's, it's divided into, you know, multiple parts. St. Joe's people generally hate Villanova. They call their, their annual battle the Holy War. Okay, so there's there's a real strong dislike between those two fan bases at Temple. The Temple people have been just sort of, uh, you know, just beaten down over the last couple of years, missing the tournament four out of the last five years. Well, what I said to you immediately on Twitter over text, I'm like, what happened to your program, man? (laughs) I want the old days of John Chaney and being a national bully. Yeah. On the scene with Temple, where are you? Guys? It's like John Thompson was. I know, essentially, minus the national championship. And, but and yeah. you know what? Yeah, and 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 by the way, Temple had good years post Cheney. I forget mm-hmm. who the coach was at the time. You guys were relevant there for a while. Well, it was Dunphy. Dunphy took over okay. for Cheney in '06. Fran Dunphy. He only has he only has two wins with Temple in the NCAA tournament. They beat like Penn State and NC State. Interesting. They lost to Cornell in the first round. You know, I mean. It, it, it's he's had maybe what six maybe six or seven appearances in the NCAA's with Temple, but they've missed the tournament four out of the last five years. They've only advanced two times. There there hasn't been one run since John Shaney was there, and the, and the last run they made I believe was two thousand and one when they lost to Mateen Cleaves' oh, Michigan State yeah. team in the yeah, Elite yeah. Eight down in Atlanta. I think that was oh one and Mateen Cleaves and. Uh, and Izzo went on to win the title. But he had five Elite Eight runs in, I believe, 13 or 14 seasons, part of which I was there from the beginning with the Macon era. So it's it's like night and day, the Temple yeah. program, from what it was to what it is now. And there needed to be a change. There's no good way. When you hire a guy like Fran Dunphy, who's a great local guy and a great guy, period, and a very accomplished coach, don't don't get me wrong, and you know, at, at, at Penn – and coming up to Penn, he was very accomplished. But you never expect to have to fire that guy. You know what I mean? Like right. you expect him to go out on his own terms. Well, that's how it was I, with John Thompson's well, son, JT3. Yeah. It was a traumatic event this past offseason, getting rid of him. But they brought in another Georgetown legend in Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing, yeah. So they kind of made that sidestep. And they were not good this year, missed the tournament by a good margin. But they say... Georgetown is in the right trajectory, so we shall mm-hmm. see about that. But is Temple not winning the recruiting battles in Philadelphia against Villanova? Is that it? No, they're not. They're, in fact, I mean, 
I mean, they get destroyed in, in the city of Philadelphia. I mean, we have a lot of the, uh, the kids in Philly that either leave Philadelphia altogether and go to places like Syracuse or Arizona, Miami, you know, uh, you know parts unknown, basically. Either, if they don't go to Villanova they, and they're Temple-worthy, they leave the city altogether, which is really a problem. So Temple's we're hoping harder, that Aaron Is McKee, Temple harder to get into than Villanova? No, no. Villanova's harder to get into. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but I Temple's, got into Temple. I know, but you're no slouch. <laughs> Like Temple, all right, of the big five, rank them in terms of how hard they are to get into, grade-wise well, and SAT-wise. Number I'd one say is... Penn is number one. Okay, right, because okay, they're an Ivy. Ivy League. Yeah, all right, yeah. Penn one, Villanova two? Yeah, I'd say Villanova two. Temple And then I'd probably three? rank, yeah, Temple, LaSalle, St. Joe's are probably pretty similar, but okay. let's give the nod to the Catholic leagues. Okay. You know, Catholic people with St. Joe, LaSalle, maybe ahead of Temple. Okay, so on the radio, Harry, how is it playing out given that this is a niche city championship because not everybody is a Villanova tribe member? It's not really playing out at all. I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, let's say they didn't go to college at all or they went to like a Westchester State or maybe even like a a Penn State. They don't really have that city affiliation. They'll jump on the Villanova bandwagon. In fact, we, we have a saying like, you know, hey, you know, where did all the Penn, all the people that wear Penn State football, you know, T-shirts <laughs> during basketball season? They go to the drawer and they get out the Villanova basketball T-shirts. You know what I'm saying? It's like an Alex Hart thing. Same color scheme, you know, blue and white. Exactly, it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! And you know, and, and you, you know, Philly's a blue collar town, mm-hmm. obviously. So you probably do have a significant portion of fans that are not collegiate material, and so they don't right. feel that same affinity for, yay, we want a college basketball championship. Right, and those people, I, I love the fact that you know they, they jump on whatever, whoever's good. They had LaSalle a few years ago, made that run into the Sweet 16 with the Southwest Philly floater, and that was oh, a nice yeah. story. Yeah. Back in 04, you had Phil Martelli, who was number one in the country, was undefeated for a, you know, a long stretch of the season, made it deep into the tournament despite Billy Packer's protests. Yeah, and and right. people like that, will ju- they'll jump on that, and it's a great thing for the city. It's just you know people like me who are you know died in the wolf temple guys because you went there you just can't acknowledge rooting for them however i respect the hell out of them so from a sports radio standpoint how much juice does a national championship in college basketball give you you're gonna go uh scale of one to ten ten one to ten hold on let's see here i'll set up this way harry all right the eagles winning their first super bowl was a 12 on a scale of one to ten sports radio pure adrenaline juice Mm-hmm. Where does Villanova's second title in eight years fall? Uh, second title, actually, in three years. Three years, my bad. Yeah, their third title overall, and actually their third Final Four in, I believe, ten years. I'd say that's between a two and a three, Zay. Shut up! Yeah, as far as that reaction little? goes. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so weird. I guess it then. Is. I guess then Philadelphia is a pro sports town, period. Yeah, kind of totally like New is. York City is a pro sports town, right? Correct. Yeah, it is. And then you know when you have the the colleges, there's so many of them. You know, the the city six. It's very it fractures the fan base. Right. So. But but Philly still is a great basketball town, and I'll pivot it now to the Sixers. Tell me how what level of interest there is in the Sixers who have been on an incredible run this year, and now. Maybe some people are just writing their apologies to Sam Hinkie. Maybe not. But tell me what the Sixers' buzz is now. 
Oh, it's it's incredible. Now it's been dimmed a little bit because the of the Embiid injury. injury, right? And and then you got Dario uh, Saric is is sidelined right now with like a cellulitis infection in his elbow. Yeesh. I don't even know what that's all about, but I think that'll be cleared up. But it's it's dimmed a little bit, but people are going crazy for this Seventy Sixers team. They they really are. I'd say it's it's at a ten. Ten. Okay. It's a ten. Yeah, because yeah, I remember the dark days at the depths oh. of the process. Because you know, I come up and uh, visit the in-laws out in Collegeville several times a year, at least four or five times a year. And I remember one night tuning in uh, at night. I forget if it was your station or uh, IP, and I was listening to someone try to flog Sixer calls with mm-hmm. what was a twelve-win team. And I thought, God help that person. Yeah, just miserable. And now I bet it's off the hook because not only is the team fun. But Embiid is a bona fide breakout star personality-wise and as a player. And Simmons, holy shit, is he good. And yeah, he, get he's better. great. And he's, he has just scratching the surface really oh, yeah. of his game, as, as you know. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you being the basketball savant of, of D.C., you know of, of his game. I mean, he's got a lot way, a long way to go. Imagine when he develops a jump shot. I mean, it's going to be ridiculous. We're, we're kind of thinking that if, if all that comes true, and we think it will because he's, kinda, he's one of these gym rat guys that wants to be great, and he's got a great work ethic, that we have a, sort of a LeBron 2.0 in the making here. Ooh, did you say yeah. LeBron? 2.0. But you said LeBron. Yes, now, what is the buzz up there about <laughs> the fantasy that you will win LeBron's heart this summer? Because that's another thing people are starting to throw out there. Yeah, that's been a big topic. We've talked about it quite a bit uh, you know, on Sports Talk Radio. And it, it's funny because the majority of the fan base, I would say, is totally in support of LeBron. And they would just absolutely love it. Whether they like LeBron or not, you know, as a They'd guy. They'd be for well, you have to be. You'd be a fucking idiot if you yeah, but there, were able a, to get small... LeBron James and you'd be unhappy about it. You'd have to have your head checked. Well, I agree, but there's a portion of the fan base that needs their head checked. Because and they're like, they're we a... don't need him? Well, they're about this whole organic thing. They look at this oh. team like a seedling. You know, you went out <laughs> in the ground and you planted seeds. Like, like it's, you're growing Like it's pot. organic food? Yeah, like it's organic marijuana, you know, and you got your own like grow light, and you're just growing this. this Only free range chickens for me. Only locally sourced vegetables. Yes. We've done yes. this ourselves. We don't want yes. LeBron's help. Oh, for yeah. God's sakes, no! I, uh, no, I'm you take you. you take LeBron. You put up with his diva bullshit. You yes. let him take credit for the championship if he delivers you one, and you don't even think. Exactly, I'm with you. But I, you know, I tell all these organic people, go to frickin' Whole Foods. Go get your gluten-free, your, you know, your, your organic crap at Whole Foods. I'm taking a championship. And you know, they'd say, well, LeBron wouldn't fit in. How the hell is he not going to fit in? Fit in. He's the greatest basketball player on the oh planet. God. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. All right. So yeah. that said, all right. and all of this with Markel Fultz right now still being a mystery. I know mm-hmm. he came back. He looks healthier. For a while yeah. there, though, there had to be some thought that, holy shit, we are going to have traded up to yep. draft the biggest dud ever, a guy who suddenly can't shoot a 10-foot jumper. What's Incredible. been the buzz on Fultz? Well, you know, 
it kind of got overshadowed because of all the Eagles' success. Sure. I mean, if the Eagles hadn't have made that run, you know, and gone into the playoffs and, you know, occupied the entire month of January and then won the Super Bowl, there would have been a whole lot more negative focus on Markel Fultz and the way the Sixers were, you know, were maybe handling him because they'd send out these little videos every once in a while or allow videos from practice of him oh, shooting Oh, I saw a reporters. Shot. They're like, yeah, yeah it doesn't look yeah. real good, but it's oh, it a little great. better. Yeah. I, I would watch those videos going, holy shit, this guy sucks. Like, yeah. and, and it's a shoulder injury? Like, how? Yeah. what did he do to his shoulder? Like, well, we don't know. We're trying to figure it out. Yeah, nobody really knows. And, and to be honest, I don't care right now because he is back playing and he's starting to look a lot better. He's starting yeah. to look a little bit like the kid that played, you know, uh, umpteen games at the University of Washington. Except that uh, he so- broke Embiid's face. Right. Friendly but fire. Thanks for nothing. It was with that shoulder. So we know the shoulder is good. <laughs> That's the theory. Oh, the shoulder's got to be sound. It broke Embiid's face. Exactly. I mean, they might have put titanium in that goddamn thing. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, it's, uh, you know, if my Wizards end up playing you guys, and oh, I, you man. know, it's a very fluid situation, I think yeah. it's a better chance that my Caps play your Flyers. Correct. And that'll be fun. And, and, and if that happens, Harry, we've got to arrange for some home-and-home home action. No question. Where you can broadcast from our studios, I'll broadcast from your studios. Let's oh, make great. this happen. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to that because both both really really both scenarios are very possible. I don't really want your Wizards in the in the first round. I'd rather have Indiana. To be uh, honest with you, probably so. I yeah. The, this Wizards team, I still think they're subprime. I mean, Wall is not going to be a hundred percent. I don't care what mm-hmm. anyone says. He's still he's back though, up. right? He's back. Yeah, but he's playing limited minutes on a night, off a night, and we'll see where he is. And then you know, Beal can only carry us so far. The Wizards have these big men that are no longer vogue in the NBA, like Gortat mm-hmm. and Mahinmi, and so they're kind of caught in a paradigm that was hot maybe four years ago, and now they're they're not. So. I don't know. I don't have huge hopes for the Wizards. I've got more hopes for the Capitals because we always, Harry, as you know, in springtime, have hopes for the Caps. This year, it's different. This year is our year. <laughs> We've got to keep saying that. As long as so you don't, don't play the Penguins. Crazy. Yeah. I know, although, you know what? We, I think now that the Penguins got rid of uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, I think that has taken away some of their invincibility shield with us. I don't know why. It's just we had such a hard time against him, and when he was on that team, had a lot more success this year against him without Flurry now. So yeah, eh. beat him Sunday night, right? Oh and, yeah, uh, was yeah. that in Pittsburgh? I that think? was in Pittsburgh. We yeah. haven't, we don't win in Pittsburgh a whole lot, so I'd love to avoid him at at all costs. But right. at least we, I think we have a better shot. Um, back to the Sixers. So I remember listening to one of your prime adjutants in the market on sports radio, uh, Howard. Eskin mm-hmm. over on the competitor, and he was lambasting uh, Hinky one day and mocking the process, mocking this, mocking that. I'm just asking for a friend. Mm-hmm. Has he, Howard the King, as he calls himself, gone back at all on his opinions about the process and the tanking that Hinky did? Well, I don't know because I think the King is only relegated to like Saturdays or Sunday mornings. That's now. when I listen to him. I listen to him Saturday yeah. mornings when I'm going out to Wawa to get my pretzel when I'm up right. visiting the in-laws. I think so. I haven't heard the show, but okay, I well, doubt it. Knowing doubt him, it. I doubt knowing it. him, of course. Yeah. All right. So has it. anyone else who has been hypercritical? Is there any rewriting of the narrative? Like, yeah, that sucked for four years. 
But by golly, it's now showing fruits. Is well, there was a lot of guys. That? There was a lot of guys in the media, like the print media, which has, has since been downsized uh, immensely since the process started to where we are now, that were anti it. I was actually for it. You were from the beginning, and a lot of our guys on our radio station were as well. Maybe I don't know where maybe we're forward thinkers or, or whatever it was, but I just. I just know that I was I thought it was a nouveau approach and and with the NBA with the salary cap the way it is the collective bargain agreement and all that stuff there's only certain ways that you can get good uh you know really quickly and th- though this hasn't been quickly it's been a, a process of you know 5 plus years right now I was for it I thought it was I thought it was kind of cool how, how long has it been like how long was the sucking I forgot was it 3 Man, years I, I, 4 years it's, it's been at five? least 4 years it's been at least okay. 4 I'll yeah. call up the list of seasons right now what's interesting to me Harry is that I've always I've viewed the NBA since uh, MJ's retirement as having morphed into a lifestyle league which is hmm. to say it's a league of stars, and the free agents only want to go to places where the lifestyle is good, i.e., oh, yeah. you don't have to Miami. wear socks. You yeah. don't have to pay taxes. You're hanging out with celebrities, okay? And so I always considered us, I considered you in Philly, I considered Detroit, other franchises to be NBA B League, as I called it. Mm. There's the D League, which is the actual developmental league. Which is now the G League. Which is now the G League. But but my stratification of the NBA was there was an A League, which any player would want to go to. Your L.A., Phoenix, Miami, Dallas, Chicago, the Knicks, although I don't know about Mm -hmm. the Knicks these days, Boston, the big pedigree markets, right? That that was the A League, okay? They were the best. The B League was sort of grittier cities like ours, and then the C League was the real shits like Memphis and Toronto and other places. But now I'm starting to rethink it because Toronto's kind of cool, and because the Sixers are having so much fun, I think you could attract somebody, even though you may not have to. Right. Because you have grown organically players. Like, I don't think that Simmons or Embiid would necessarily want to leave once they can. Do you? Well, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't ever really try to get too far ahead with these guys, you know, in, in, in sports. Because, you know, Embiid is a, is a mega celebrity in, in this city. Imagine what he could be. In a, in, a ten, in a town like Los Angeles, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, so I, I don't know. I mean, he's he's such he's such a rock star, and it, you know the fact that he was has remained healthy for this many games. We were taking like sort of over unders the beginning of the season. Man, could he last uh, sixty games? Can he play sixty five? Now he's since he has this latest injury, he's not going to get to where we thought he would. Right. But but he was on pace. Like, He's on pace, and he is a rock star. Like you mentioned, off the court, his his Twitter, his oh, Instagram. Tweeting Rihanna was great. Oh, he's unbelievable. Hey, girl, you single or nah? Yeah, and he's everywhere you want to be. <laughs> like every big event, if he doesn't have a game, he's there. Wasn't he at he, the Eagles parade? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely he was. Yeah. I think he was at the Super Bowl, for crying out loud. I think he was at the Super Bowl yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. He's like a fan <laughs> in addition to being – your star player, so yeah. Uh, well, well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Maybe this uh, this postseason will get very interesting. And uh, what is the prognosis for when Embiid will be ready to go? Well, they think uh, you know it was two to four weeks is what we were hearing. The two weeks very optimistic. However, some doctors are saying you know you know he could he could easily be be back in two weeks, which would put him in line for the first round of the playoffs. I. The Sixers take an abundance of caution with all these injuries. I mean, ridiculously so. 
Uh, so I don't know that I'm going to expect him ready for game one, but I would expect him at some point in that first-round series. All right. The uh, process or the suckitude for the Sixers pretty much was three full years of complete misery, 19, 18, and 10 wins mm. from 2013 through the end of 2016. You warmed up last year to 28 wins, and this right. year, of course, the rocket ship has taken off. So you have paid for this success in blood, kind of like the Nationals paid for their success in blood with back-to-back 100-loss seasons mm-hmm. in order to get Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg back-to-back. So there's that. Why don't we yeah. use that as a jumping-off point for uh, baseball? Gabe Kapler. Nicely done. Gabe Kapler. Go. Gabe Kapler may be the Bryson DeChambeau of Major League Baseball. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Bryson DeChambeau is actually <laughs> – Starting to make some cuts and contend, all right? Yeah, he is. And I once thought he was one of the biggest frauds out there, but I've shut my mouth since. Well, I thought I'd roll that name, you know, for you. How about the Ty Tryon of Okay, all right, let's go Ty Tryon. I mean, what, he used 21 pitchers in the first three games against Atlanta. He's warming up or wants a pitcher to come to the mound that isn't even warmed up. Oh, yeah. They put a a position player in to pitch, and he says – you know, that that might become commonplace yes. throughout the season. I mean, it, this is this what the numbers nerds. Yeah, this, <laughs> he's a kook. This is what the numbers nerds are saying. That yeah. when you're getting blown out like five runs or more, mm-hmm. why waste a reliever when you just need somebody to finish the game? So put in a reserve position player yeah. to throw up meatballs. I know, and I, I heard your, your your buddy Al Galdi, who's oh, I he's believe, all got a, his a brother. Relation. His, yeah, his brother, brother works is here, head of the right? analytics department. Yeah, yes, he's yeah. the chief nerd for the film. <laughs> I heard that segment, uh, I believe it was yesterday, and he actually made a, an intimation that this whole like analytical approach, eventually, if it goes where they want it to go, yeah. we'll have starters starting the game to maybe even come out in the second and third inning, not because they're gassed or shot, but because they want to put another guy in just because you don't want to go to the second or third go-round in the lineup. Yes, this that is insanity. A, well, this is what the nerds have figured out, that there is a yeah. so-called third time-up penalty, penalty where, yeah. where once, once a batter sees a same pitcher for the third time, his mm-hmm. his batting average is a lot better, which oh. I don't know. I, I think part of it is this smacks to me of a really bad management decision where it's almost like in a business where a guy, like let's say a middle manager from some backward-ass industry, I don't know, like radio, okay? Mm-hmm. Let, <laughs> let's, say, let's say a radio middle manager comes into baseball and says, what do we got all these guys in the bullpen? They don't even pitch most days. We should be using these guys. Let's mm-hmm. put in a, some of our other relievers in the second or third inning. Why not yeah. make them work every day? Yeah, and it so, does. It smells like that. Yeah, and and you know I'm not smart enough on baseball. Maybe this will become the trend. Maybe not. I think there's. It's a very dicey because just because a guy's arm is fresh, based on innings, yeah. you don't know if he's going to be good that given day. As in, where's his location? How's his velocity? Uh, what's his mental approach? Is he a good matchup against the team he's facing? And on right. and on and on. Yeah, well, Kapler is, is on record as saying that he's been uh, sort of making the batting orders for games in advance, like on down the schedule, let's say. How and far in advance? His, 
Well, I don't. I don't know. But let's say, like, does two, he have Memorial weeks. Day lineup set? Yeah, possibly, possibly. How does he but know he's going to be healthy that day? That's the. That's that. That's one part of it. The other part is, let's say that Scott Kingery, you know, the new uh, kid that uh, they brought up from the minors and signed to a six, possibly a nine-year deal, and can play multiple positions, is. You know, just going great guns. He's, you know, in the last four games, he's got, uh, you know, a couple of doubles, a couple home runs. His average is off the charts. But, no, his matchup against this pitcher, I already have him sitting the bench because the analytics say so. That that kind of stuff to me is just insanity. Wow. It really is. Well, buckle up. I'm sure it's going to be quite a ride for these first couple months. Maybe the first year. Do you know how quickly a manager has ever been fired in Philly's history? I do not. Have there been a one-and-done manager in Phil's history? Uh, I, I'm sure there has. I don't know who it is the, uh, okay. off the top of my head. But that we're actually considering, you know, saying, does he get, you know, the next three months? Like, people are consi- like considering hitting the eject button already. <laughs> Probably the same guy saying, we don't need LeBron. We want to be an organic team that well, does it on our own. Well, did you hear the own. story about the ice cream with Gabe Kapler? No. There's a story from his days as a minor league manager down in you know, South Carolina somewhere where he would he admitted to someone that he tastes – he loves ice cream. But, but he's I thought fitness, he was a health nut. He's a fitness freak. Uh, okay. So what he does is he tastes the ice cream then and spits then it has out? a spit cup. Oh, yes. Oh, for God's sakes. Dude, he's insane. Although I might try that because, man, I do love <laughs> ice cream and I'm fat. So, mmm, <laughs> 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 That's out-of-the-box thinking from Gabe Kapler. Yes, All right, it is. Real quick on the Eagles, then you and I are going to geek out on the Masters because Harry Mays, mm-hmm. for those that don't know, loves golf, fine golf for himself. He's recovering from a freak acorn accident that snapped his ankle in half like a twig. How's that going, by the way? It's going well, thanks. Good. Thanks for asking. Good. Yeah. You'll be back on the course when? I'll probably be back uh, hitting some wedges as soon as the ground dries out. It's soaking wet, as I know you've been dealing with this awful weather, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the course is open. The range is open. The rain, you know, it's just got to dry out, and I'll be out there. Okay. All yeah. right. So we'll we'll talk golf. We'll get our Masters picks in, and any quick thoughts on golf. But real quick on the Eagles, welcome to town, Michael Bennett. How is that move playing out? Well, you know, obviously with the with the situation from the Super Bowl uh, a year and what, three months ago, yes, his arrest, I, which by I, the I, way looks very fishy to me. But, it does. Yeah. It really does. If, if if it weren't for what happened in Las Vegas and his outspoken nature on certain things, I you know I, I don't I think mo- all of the fan base would be like this smells. Half of them think it smells. The other half are saying, you know, this guy's a bad guy. I knew it. Right. But we'll, we'll see how this plays out. Right now, the Eagles think that everything's going to turn out okay. You know, and if it does, he's a beast. You think he he'll is. be good for you? Yeah, I do. If, if he's able to play, if all this stuff you know, clears, this is a guy that is, is actually, even at his advanced age in his early 30s, gets better in the fourth quarter. And with this rotation that Jim Schwartz runs, he could be really a beast, you know, uh, with, with all the, the guys that they filter in there. I think he is a bag of shit who most likely <laughs> did talk shit to this security guard, maybe touched her, maybe wheeled her wheelchair out of the way, and ignored their orders. I, I firmly believe he's that kind of a guy. Dishonest bag of shit. Just like his brother who walked out on the Packers and then promptly mm. retired after the season. That said, I think the Houston Police Department is trying to get back at him for what he did to the Vegas Police Department right. by painting yeah. them as racists. 
And so I think that kind of shit goes on between law enforcement, you know, units. I think one tries to get each other's back. So I think they're probably overcharging him mm. if for nothing else to embarrass him. They may yeah, know that be. this shit's not going to stick in a court of law, but yeah, they doesn't hurt be. to charge him, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I just hope I just hope he didn't knock this this poor woman over. I don't think he did. From what I read, she, her wheelchair was knocked not knocked over. Her injuries amounted to a strained back, and she's mm-hmm. back working again. I, that doesn't sound to me like felonious assault, but what do I know? Okay, let's talk some golf, Harry. All right, who are you picking to win the Masters? This is a pick. This is not rooting. Right. Uh, I'm going to pick Bubba Watson. Great call. get his third. Great call. Yeah, I really am. Yep. Course is made from, it's basically a par 68 for him. Yeah. The way he hits it, not only lengthwise, but the shape Mm -hmm. of the holes. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, obviously won it in 12 and 14. He had that bad year last year. I think that's when he switched to that stupid Volvic ball, wasn't it? It, he, he had switched, an awful year. He had an awful year. The Volvic ball probably didn't help. I don't know if that was mm-hmm. the cause of it, but he seems dialed in now. And not only with his length, but being able to hit that fade. Look at mm-hmm. all the par fives that require that fade, which you can control. 13, mm-hmm. 15 straight, but two is a fade hole, perfect for his shot right. shape. And eight, the second shot up to that green, tucked kind of around the corner from the from the mounds and the trees, that's a fade as well. Yeah. So he's tailor-made for the course. That would be my pick. Although, do you see how good Tiger Woods looked on Tuesday morning? I heard. I saw he round? chipped it in or something on one of the – he was playing with Freddie Couples. Wasn't Monday, he, that he, Monday he chipped one in for eagle on two. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday with Phil, he made two eagles on the back nine. I think they played nine holes only. He, he made eagles from four and five feet on 13 and 15. Mm. He is so sharp, and this course, he knows this course so yeah. well, and he's putting like crazy right now. I I think he's winning this week, and you I'm do. not a, I'm not a Tiger fanboy, but if I had to bet, I'd bet Tiger. Wow, crazy, that's right? awesome! All right, that's, let's talk about be. some guys to short. Let's talk about some long shots. I would short Rory. I would too. There's just something about him with the putter that I he's all or nothing, and he makes doubles. And I saw a stat; maybe Brandel Chambly had this because he's always big on the numbers, right, Harry? Yeah, he's He's, great. He said that like only three percent of all Masters winners have ever made more than one double Hmm. at Augusta, and Rory makes doubles because he's a fast Ferrari. That if it's on, he'll lap the field, but he'll crash. He'll hit big sweeping hooks and take doubles. Same Uh, with Ricky Fowler. Yes, Fowler's another Fowler, guy. Here's yeah. why I don't like Fowler. Fowler has an amazing confidence on three to four footers where he rams them all home. Mm-hmm. At Augusta, that is not the way to live because you hit a good putt that catches an edge at ramming speed. Yeah, lip that's out. going 10 feet past. Yeah, lip out yeah. or 10 feet past. Jordan Spieth, would you believe in him finding it the week before and carrying it through? Yeah, I actually do a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, kind of do as f- well. Yeah, he's been fighting that alignment issue with the putter. He had the two-way miss with the driver early on. But I watched him at length on Sunday in Houston. And he finished third, but he had that closing round 66, and he made that big, what was it, about a 30-footer for par on 18. And I think that putt alone will carry him right to Augusta and off to a good tournament. Okay, Uh, Dustin Johnson. 
I like him for some reason. Well, he's the world's mean, number well, one. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like him, but I, I do. I, I like him because he missed last year with that crazy injury. And I think he just he wants to prove to everybody that he can win at Augusta. And we know, you know, his length and his short game is great. He's gotten so good with the wedges and everything. He had a second at Pebble. He won in Hawaii. Uh, I think what, what was his best finish? Fourth uh, in 2016, I believe. I think I, I would I would definitely I'm bullish on him. Yeah, uh, he yeah. has not played at Augusta since winning the U.S. Open because he okay. missed last year. And right. I think when a player breaks through, it changes him for the better. And I think he could be very formidable this week. How about mm-hmm. uh, how about little little bratty Jeeper McPeeper Justin Thomas hits it a mile? You like him this week? Not so much. Uh, his best finish I think is 22nd, okay. which was last year. He's got all kinds of game. I just don't know mentally if he's he's he gets he's frustrated. Single. Gets frustrated yes. fairly easily. He okay. he you know he, he and Rom have a lot in uh, common as far as their mental approach to things where they can right. just sort of lose it on on one swing and that and by the time they get it back the tournament has gotten away from them. Yeah. Uh yeah. how how about uh Justin Rose? I love him. Okay. Couple of yeah. seconds recently. Mickelson. Yeah. Uh you got to love him. Okay, Day. You always have to love him. Jason Day. You never know. There's always seems to be something bugging him, whether it's off the course with, you know, with an, with Family the illness issues, to his mom. Back yeah, the, the vertigo, the back. There's always seems to be something there that's distracting him from from being as great as he could be. Okay. Uh we mentioned Fowler, Rom, you and I not really mm-hmm. wild on because he's a little hothead. Uh Sergio um, I think there's a lot of distractions with him. Uh, being the, the returning champ, uh, having gotten married, having a, a baby, I think he, there's, a, there's too much going on outside with Sergio right now to repeat. Okay, how about some darker horses? Patrick Reed, yes or no? You know, he, he's such a competitor. I think he's great for the tour. I think he'll, he'll be in the mix through Saturday, but I don't like him to win it. I, the, the outside guy I like, or the, the dark horse, and maybe he's not that much of a dark horse because of the way he's played recently, it's this Kevin Kisner guy. Oh, I love Kisner. He can putt. Love Kisner. He is it's just... amazing he's only finished 37th back in 2016 because that guy's such a great putter. Well, but, but he, he, hasn't had, play, he hasn't been in the Masters very much. He's a late much. bloomer. He, Right, right. He's a late yeah. bloomer. I, I do I like, like him because he is a South Carolina boy. He's just a skinny little redneck who mm-hmm. hits it long enough for a small guy yeah. and knows how to play. He's the guy that would clean your clock on a bet at a <laughs> club where you'd think, this guy's not that good. And he'd be like, holy yeah. shit, seven and six, what was that? Didn't he get a letter from his home country club in Aiken for yeah, they doing said, something on the golf carts? They they were going to kick him out because he was playing fivesomes and they were playing like demo derby with the golf carts. Yeah, he's a total. <laughs> you gotta love guy. him. Oh no, I do, I do, <laughs> I love, I love Kevin Kisner. Uh, how about dark horses like Mark Leishman or um, uh, Matt Kuchar? Huh? Yeah, I wouldn't be. Tommy well, I like Kuchar. Yeah, I like Kuchar. Okay. Uh, he's he's one of those guys, and he like he bugs me because he's got Kuchar. such great game, and he's got the best demeanor. But it just seems like he doesn't even give a shit. Well, he's got Xanax smile. He's oh, so well liked. 
Yeah, he, eh, eh, big smile, Coocher, wow. Coocher. Yeah. I mean, everyone on tour loves him. They say he has the best deadpan humor. You yeah, see he's a, a ball little buster. Bit, right, a ball buster. You see that in the um, in the Skechers ads, a little bit mm-hmm. of it. They say it's like yeah. times 10 off the course, but I, I've never been a big Cooch fan. But he's apparently, he's one of my uh, GGCSHs like Zach Johnson. Great guy, can't stand him. Okay. Yeah, I'm Great not a Zach guy, Johnson guy. Can't stand him. Adam Scott is a, a you're throwing your money away. He's a super nice guy with a beautiful swing. Yeah. He's not winning another major. I'm sorry to say. You know it. what? His life is too good. His life is too good and he's too nice, but I was very yeah. him winning was one of my most satisfying things to watch. I was so happy for him. Uh Oostazen is a dark horse I would put a shekel on. Look yeah, out. Yeah, I love Oostazen. He's got the gap to his teeth like me. I've always been a fan of him. You know, so he won that British Open. He finished second to Bubba in 2012. The yeah, he's got that South African accent. He's so cool and just calm. Yeah, he's he is a great dark horse. You're absolutely right. All right, you want to you want to go super deep dark horses? I got a guy for you, Xander Shoffley. Oh yeah, this last year guy a great year. is money. Yeah. Xander Shoffley, look out! San Diego for him. State Aztec. Is he really? Yeah. Yes, he is. Okay. Yep. Uh, let's see who else. Would be what about a super Charlie Hoffman? Horse? Ah, you know, not a bad long shot to mm-hmm. hedge out of. He's a guy I'd bet for like the first two rounds if your bookie mm-hmm. allows like first two round bets, like a first half bet. Yeah. He's the he's the kind of guy that'd be like come Saturday morning, like and Charlie Hoffman a tour. Journeyman is at the top of the leaderboard as we right. start the weekend at Augusta National. I tell you, you and I and Charlie Hoffman and Pat Perez would be a great foursome. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, those guys are fun. I I can definitely see that. It's, <laughs> They're uh, the flat brim guys. It's one. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm not betting on Kevin Chappell, another flat brim guy. No. Because no. no flat brim has ever won the Masters. <laughs> That's my stat of the day. All right, uh, real Love quick, it. on the Masters, I'm going to throw this by you. I've got the front nine and the back nine, even though they call it the first nine and the second nine. The nine greatest traditions, and then the nine things that need shaking up at Augusta. So in other words, the front nine is the great traditions I love, and the back mm-hmm. nine is nine things that I think, okay, let's shake this up. You ready? Okay. You tell me where you stand on each of these. All right. Number one, champion's dinner. Phenomenal tradition. Awesome. Absolutely Number awesome. two, the yeah. amateur is getting to stay in the crow's nest above the clubhouse. I think that's cool as shit. Number three, the super cheap concessions. Uh, yeah, the pimento cheese sandwiches, the beers, you name it. It, it is a total bargain. Yep. Uh, number four, I actually now am into the silly terms like the patrons and the first and second nine, and all the other nine, and the tournament practice area. I, I caught the guys on Golf Channel stumbling over. And now mm. let's go to the ring. Uh, the tournament practice area. <laughs> is that a good tradition, or is that yeah, lame? Okay. I can't go there. I, the, the whole okay. patrons thing, and I, I don't know. It, that's a little too serious. It's a little too Tom Watson for me. I agree. I can't do it. Number five, greatest traditions on the front nine here. Skipping balls across the pond on 16 during practice rounds. Saw that yesterday. Who was it? Holy, Jose Maria Olathabal did it on 16. Almost made it in. Well, they all That's do it. That's pretty cool. They all do it now, and I love it when they synchronize doing it because to see three or four balls skipping across <laughs> the water is wild. Uh, number six, great traditions. The par three contest with the little kids and the little white jumpsuits running around like little scamps gets me right in the feels. 
I was there in 1994 and uh, for the practice round on Wednesday, which is when they do that par three, and it is spectacular. Number seven, the ceremonial starters. Love. Greatest thing ever. It really is. Number yep. eight, the manual scoreboards. Uh, that's pretty damn cool too. It's sort of like uh, the, you know the the Open Championship in a in a weird way where they had that big yellow scoreboard and right. Yeah, it's cool. When do you think Augusta would ever, Harry, put in a jumbotron anywhere on the property? Be a long time, right? Yeah, it's they should. To the, it's getting to the point where they might have to really think of a mastersy way to make it yeah. classy, but subdued i'm not sure if they're ready yet but they might be at some point and number nine of course the music the the augusta theme which actually has words did you know that the augusta theme the no i didn't know that yeah you might want to look it up you'll you'll puke when you hear it oh okay but this song has words it shouldn't though it does it doesn't need words it does you know what it needs it's jim nance hello friends and welcome to another pristine day at Augusta National. I just got back from the Final Four where I made approximately $693,000 in two days. My charmed life. I've got a trophy young wife and a new family and a house at Pebble Beach. Yeah, go ahead. Say fuck you, Jim Nance, because you deserve to. My life is that good. Now let's go out to Vern Lundquist on number six. Actually, Vern won't be there this year. He won't. No, he's recovering from back surgery. It's heartbreaking for all of us. Oh, that's a sh- Who's going to be in 16, do you know? That's in a good tower? question. I don't yeah. know. Maybe the who's unfo- that guy? Maybe the who's unfortunate hairpiece, Peter Costas. Oh, yeah. yeah. As long as it's not Ian Baker Finch, I can't stand IBF. IBF is the king of obvious, and everything yeah, is wonderful, he really is. and he's a nice guy. Another GGCSH. Great guy, can't mm-hmm. stand him. Okay, now for the nine things that need shaking up. This will be Some of these will be controversial. Here we go. Back nine. Number one, the field should be larger. Uh, yeah, was it eighty some guys this year? Yeah, yeah. So too that, many good pros be. that are not being invited, and I know mm-hmm. that makes it special to qualify. But I, I just think there's a lot of good tour players left out at this event every year. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, number two, this could be blasphemy. New pins on Sunday afternoon. Shake mm-hmm. it up. Shake it up. I'm tired of seeing, oh, look, the pin's back left on 16 where you can bank it in for a hole-in-one. I want a whole new set of Sunday pins, Maze. Really? I do. Just for See, one think, year. Shake it up. I think, that, I think that's one of the things that's comforting about okay. the Masters. A lot of people know do. these things. Yeah. I told you this would be blasphemous. Yeah, Number yeah. three. I got you. Shake it up. Some actual rough that you can yes. see clearly – from aerial shots, and it puts a premium on driving. I agree with that. Yes. Uh, number four is to redesign hole number four, one of the stupidest par threes I think I've ever seen. It's almost an impossible par three. Mm-hmm. And the back tee on four is like 235. They don't use yeah. it, but maybe once in a tournament. I, there's nowhere good to hit it. No, there's not. You're you're right. That, uh, number, that is, it's almost unfair. Number five shake things up. I would shorten number 11 just a bit and I would make more back left pins over Ooh. the pond. Ooh, I like that. Number 6 and this is going to happen this year but I want even more. More shot tracer. More They're going to have more of that this year? They're going to have 5 holes with shot tracer on CBS. Shot tracer outside of adding the blimp years ago to golf coverage for the camera is is the greatest thing ever. 
Although the blimp I don't like because it makes noise. <laughs> and I'm serious. You ever watch a golf tournament and you hear the... Yeah. Yeah. Hate that. Uh, number seven. Fewer, if any, Butler Cabin interviews when live play is going on. Yeah, I don't need that. I, I, I couldn't care less about Butler Cabin. Number eight. Less full screen scoreboards that linger way too long during live action. Hmm. I never really noticed that as an issue, but I'll take your word for it. We're living, Harry, in an age of cell phones where we all have the standings and I Yeah, everybody knows the scores. You're right. Like, you could literally get away with just a score, a a leaderboard bug in the lower corner Mm -hmm. of the top five guys. That'd be enough. Yeah. You watch the Masters this week, and you'll see 30, 60 seconds, 90 seconds based on just scoreboard on the screen, which is the traditional way CBS presents it. And finally, the last one, some nicely camouflaged high-camera angles a la permanent cranes disguised as loblolly pines with remote-controllable cameras to give us some good elevated shots of live action like you have at the British Open. Anytime you can work loblolly pines into the conversation, I'm good. I can't wait, Harry, as a golf nerd like you. This yeah. is the greatest week of the year. Let's it hope is. the weather cooperates, and uh, good luck in your master's pool. Thank you. Great to be with you again, Zabe. All right, Harry Mays. Good to talk to you, bud. And uh, I'm supposed to hate all Philadelphia Eagle fans and Philadelphia sports fans, <laughs> but we're getting too old to have genuine hate in our hearts. So exactly. hopefully the Flyers and Caps can meet and the Sixers and Wizards can meet, and then we can duke it out then. That would be awesome. Look forward to it. All right. You want to listen to Harry's show? You can do it, I'm sure, via the miracle of the interwebs. Right, Harry? Uh, absolutely. 97.5thefanatic.com. It's on TuneIn Radio. Wherever wherever uh, radio stations are available on the Internet, we're and there. I'll make sure to retweet Harry's Twitter handle as well. Thanks, Harry. You got it, Zabe. We'll end with this today, and I'm going to file it under too good to be true until proven otherwise. Pasta won't make you fat, colon, study. Really? Spaghetti, rigatoni, linguini have all gotten a bum rap, they say, when it comes to being lumped together with carbohydrates that pack on flab and pounds. But a new Canadian study suggests otherwise. Researchers at St. Michael's Hospital in Toronto based their findings on the large-scale analysis of available evidence from previous randomized controlled trials. The authors say it is unclear whether pasta contributes to weight gain or, like other low glycemic index foods, contributes to weight loss. What? Participants in the clinical trials typically ate over just three servings of pasta a week instead of other carbohydrates, one serving equaling one-half cup of cooked pasta. Nobody eats one-half of a cup, you kidding me? They lost, on average, about 1.1 pounds after a follow-up of 12 weeks. Researchers cautioned that the study isn't a license to gorge on pasta whenever and with whatever else mixed in. They stress that these results are generalizable to pasta consumed along with other low-glycemic index foods as part of a low-GI diet. Reminds me of the family guy this uh, past Sunday in which... They kept doing cutaways to Olive Garden because uh, the catchphrase, when you're, with, when you're here, you're family. <laughs> and by the time they did like their fourth cutaway, Peter's like, oh, God, I'm so full. 
so gluttonous to delicious pasta. All right, that'll do it for us today. Thanks for listening. You know the drill. Tell two friends and leave this podcast playing out loud on a work computer. Leave a positive review. Download, subscribe to all the major podcast outlets. And as they say at Augusta, you can't win the tournament on Thursday, but you sure as hell can lose it, so don't blow it. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.